and welcome to Mastering Dungeons. I cannot make a good Sean Merwin impersonation, so I have to admit that I am Teos. Uh, and I am here. Uh, Sean is away. He is handling all the things. But we have in his stead the amazing Tony Winslow Brill. Hello, Tony. Hey, thanks for having me. <laughs> oh, it's so fun to have you. Uh, you're the best. We're super, super excited to be here uh, with you. And, I mean, you are actually a news item. So before I knew Sean was oh. going to be gone, uh, you were a news, news item because it's just been revealed that you are the new AL admin. I am. I am. I, I uh, hopefully wasn't suckered. <laughs> <laughs> you, you were. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. That's okay. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> That's how that kind of volunteer thing works. Uh, yes, yes. You, you are the, the latest sucker. I mean, uh, brave, courageous <laughs> resource manager. And there's an awesome article about you on the AL blog. We're going to talk about that a bit later. But what do you think? Should we do some news? Sounds good to me. All right. So the, the biggest news item is probably the D&D Rules expansion gift set, which uh, do you get a free copy of this? I think I do. I haven't oh, yet. <laughs> see, so now you're not such a sucker for accepting yeah, the position. Yeah, see, that's that's really how they, they got me. They were like, <laughs> you can have, we give you stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I was once on that list. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, we receive lots of free copies, Sean and I, because we're of the reviews we do on the show. Mm -hmm. uh, but those copies get lost every time. <laughs> what do you lost every time. 100% of the time. We know that D&D Wizards is sending them to us, those free copies. Yeah. But that every time somebody is stealing them or intercepting them, because they never arrive, but we know Are for sure they're sending them. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's awful. No, we know we know that Wizards never forgets us. It's just they get lost. Yeah, in the mail. <laughs> uh, but this is a three-set box set we've talked about in previous shows. And, and I mean, this has been occupying a lot of uh, Twitter space and online space, Reddit discussions, all of that, because uh, we're seeing all the previews. Um, and it's out today, the day they're recording, so it'll be out by the time this show drops. Um, but, um, but there are a couple of news items around it. One is there have been previews, so people are looking at monsters. I, I went on a Twitter thread last night, had a lot of fun uh, looking at a monster. And um, there are people who are talking about the ancestries, and there, um, and then there was the announcement that the new book, because it's two books that are redone, and mm -hmm. then there is Monsters in the Multiverse, and that new book is going to come out alone, but not until May seventeenth. Yes, that's a bit of a pause. <laughs> and then more interesting, face. yeah. D&D Beyond has said that they are going to have both versions coexisting for now until some later date, which I would not be shocked if it's May 17th. Um, but what that means is, like, if you have Volos, you're not going to get new Volos because they coexist. Whereas in the past, what they've always done is upgraded you to new Volos because, you know, like, if you had the old Eberron the stuff and the new Eberron came out, well, they just updated it. But now both versions sort of exist, which is super interesting. And in fact, maybe I should ask you, since you're AL admin, can I have like, I'm like one gnome at a table and then Sue next to me has other gnome version at the same table? Do you know? So for Adventures League, we, we were just having a meeting about that yesterday. <laughs> Breaking news. Yeah. Um, the answer is unknown. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. So, this is the kind of thing that requires several meetings, I hear you. It does. And uh, sometimes it gets um, dictated mm -hmm. what is going to go on. Yeah. So uh, you just have to kind of wait and see on that particular thing. Um, it might yeah. happen for a little while. Um, but, you know, the big time space kind of throws a little bit of a wrench in things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. So I am super excited about this. Uh, I will uh, buy this because I am a collector. Uh, but I know a lot of my friends are sort of like, I don't know that I'm getting this because of the sort of way it's all, all the various angles. I think that what they're seeing about the monsters and, and just the idea of like buying books that you want um, bundled with books you already have. So it, it's an interesting thing, and, and but I'm curious how it'll play out over time sales-wise. 
Yeah, I, it should be pretty interesting. I actually had already pre-ordered it before I <laughs> said yes to the to the admin job, so it's fine. It's <laughs> That's fine. fine. Yeah, Let's you see, can always have get two it. copies of something cool. I mean, I don't, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe they'll send you the alt cover version, and you'll have both. Right. Versions. Yeah, that would be cool. Mm, great. <laughs> You know, speaking of new positions, our next news news item, Todd Kenrick joins the D&D team, to which I think most of the Twitter responses I saw were, wait, wasn't he already? <laughs> I admit, I thought the same thing. I was like, wait a minute. I know he was doing this before. And then I thought, oh, I guess not. My, my favorite was someone who said, why did they bother giving him a job? Because he already basically does this. And I thought that was hilarious. But... Um, <laughs> But I think it makes a lot of sense. I mean, Todd is is uh, is well beloved member of the uh, of the of the D and D space. He's been making super creative, awesome videos uh, where he interviews Wizards members and talks about different products. And after he uh, left D and D Beyond, he began doing it um, on his own channel. And so now he'll be doing it for Wizards again, and he will be the senior content consultant, where content is video content creating informative and entertaining videos, deep dive interviews, uh, and he will manage D&D's video content strategy. And I had been looking at their YouTube channel and noticing that almost nothing is showing up there anymore. So I thought this may be that kind of, they probably have a sort of inability to keep up with it and they need somebody who just directs the whole thing. And, and that's where it makes sense that even if Todd's been making great videos just on his own, you want someone who actually is looking at it through that lens. Yeah, and I'm sure that that's, part of it i mean it's there's just so much and dini has exploded so much that they're they're trying to kind of keep up with the demand and get people what they want and need and it just means they're kind of branching out in all different kinds of way, new ways yeah absolutely um i happened to take a small trip onto the new D, newbie dm blog where enrique has been covering forgotten areas of uh the forgotten realms and you know, this is a great example where people will often just complain. Like they'll be like, "Forgotten Realms is always on the Sword Coast. What's wrong? You know why?" And then they don't do anything so about true. it, right? And Enrica started with that complaint, and then immediately said, "You know what? I'm going to go blog about cool places." And so he's covered Westgate in the first blog, which I really enjoyed reading. And he has since covered Darlin as well, which I haven't read that one yet, but that's on my reading list. It's on one of my many tabs open in my browser. Um, and, and yeah, it's a fun series and I love this idea of, Hey, let me show you what else is in the forgotten realms. I, I just, one time I saw like this picture somebody had done on the internet and I don't know, but props to whoever did it. And it had like the sword coast and then everything else was labeled the forgotten realms. Like <laughs> <laughs> none of this is used only here. It was super yeah. funny. I think I cracked up for like an hour yeah. about it. <laughs> It's great. I mean, and I, I understand that I, I, you know, like I love other places in the Forgotten Realms too, and especially 4E like was very like all over the map, right? And, and, and there were regions all over the place with organized play. But, um, but I also think that this Sword Coast focus is very smart and, and it's easy to forget how many new and casual players we have who when you mention the same places over and over, you're really just mentioning it a couple times for them and it, and it resonates and makes sense to them. Um, yeah um well and you know especially new players they they kind of get drawn in by new stuff and you know if you branch out and they they're they're more voracious than your older player who's like oh yeah i know all about that i don't need to know anything <laughs> else that you know that didn't like that place or whatever so yeah yeah you know it's it's kind of fun to to see somebody light up too about something new and exciting and interesting that catches their attention it's true and, and you know we've seen things like when we went to Chult, right like that was a really neat expansion to a place that even a lot of veterans didn't super know that well and so oh absolutely more of <laughs> i was like what there's dinosaurs yeah right? <laughs> what's going on i don't know if i like that but i did <laughs> uh, uh also on the al blog was alan patrick who uh i don't know if you know this is sean's nemesis uh, I, I did not. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, so there's quick story time, which is that uh, his daughter and friends were getting into D&D. And he's thinking like, oh, at some point we'll come up this whole thing of how, you know, all the stuff that dad has written. 
And instead, what really came up, short version of the story, is, do you know Alan Patrick? Because we want more stuff by Alan Patrick. Oh, my gosh. It's a, <laughs> just, just exactly that's, how kids operate. That's, that's awesome. It's better than my kids. She's like, oh, you do this stuff? Yeah, no. Wow, I'm like, really? but you'd like it. She even told me this once. I was like, I swear to God, you'd like it, you know, whatever. And she goes, oh, I'm pretty sure I would. I'm still not going to look it and try it. <laughs> <laughs> Just because it's you. Wow. Yeah. I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess. Oh, man. Kids are ridiculous. <laughs> well, the famous Alan Patrick, he has written a Mist Hunter's Adventure, the fifth in the Story Rich series called uh, RMH04, The Amber Secret. And um, there's a blurb here in the show notes about it and how um, the dead rise, some still clinging to the fading echoes of their lives now gone so far away, delving into the darkly enchanted landscape that now surrounds them. The characters must determine fact from fiction, chorus from verse, and find that which has been locked away in the festering nugget of truth that lies at the center of all lies. Whoa. That's Alan Patrick right there. That's pretty good, yeah. 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 I like uh, Alan because he, he writes. I, I get told I, I'm too descriptive and wordy a lot. So I, me and Alan, <laughs> we're buds on that. <laughs> I, I, I'd like to be a member of that club. I think I have a card somewhere. Um, yeah. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, but he shares his writing process, which is pretty wild. He talks about imagining a scene and kind of just picturing a scene and then making notes based on what he imagined. And then apparently sort of shelving that. And just does that periodically. And then later on a project, he'll sort of bring those notes into the project and refine them. So it's sort of like having a box of Legos. Like he has all these wild scenes he's thought about. And he'll bring them in and assemble them later on a project. Which I thought was really very interesting. I like that analogy. Like Legos. I mean, I have a notebook of just random, (laughs) you know, same sort of random thoughts and things. that you know, someday I'm like, this would be cool in something. I don't Mm -hmm. know what it is. But I like that Lego idea. That's cool. Um, he also has an idea for a domain of dread centered on a U.S. store stuck in Black Friday. And he invites us to develop that idea, which I think is pretty good. Oh, that's great, actually. That would mm-hmm. be hell, especially if you were a retail worker. Yeah, can you imagine? Like, your job is to keep the store open? Well, I don't know. Forever. Yeah, it's like a hag shop and uh it could be like a really bad version of like the spirit halloween store but you work for hag and uh and all the like undead and whatever are assaulting it trying to get good deals on costumes or the undead are the workers yeah yeah and you're maybe you're undead <laughs> you have a stretch <laughs> hello do you want your costume <laughs> uh, let's collaborate with alan and write this it sounds good to me um we also had a, a, a listener who um, shared a Wired.com article on accessible RPG books. And it's a neat article written by Pierce Anderson, who examines how RPGs have made strides towards accessibility. He talks about how making a beautiful RPG book can feel uh, wonderful because it's so gorgeous and all that. But then all those layers and, and all the, the look of it can then intrude on accessibility when you're trying to read it with screen reader or just with with eyesight issues. Um, So there's a a focus that needs to be there to say, like, how can I make this functional and accessible and also beautiful? And that this is something that the companies are getting better and better at doing. So he discusses several examples that were that were where both of these things were attained, right? It's form and function, accessibility and beauty. And uh, and so that's on Wired.com. We've got a link in our show notes to that. Pretty cool article. That is pretty neat. That's such an important thing that, you know, not necessarily was looked at for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of cool where that kind of stuff has been striving and, and changing and growing and getting to. So, And it's not yeah. easy. Accessibility is not easy. Mm. I've done it for various work projects, and it is there's a lot that goes into it. And so those people are superstars. Yeah. And I recall, you know, we had a, a, a blind dungeon master who would run games year after year after year in organized play, uh, very beloved by the community. Um, and he, I, I always marveled at, at how he would run things and how, what an amazing DM he was, but he would talk about how hard it would be with the different PDFs that were sent to him of, of the adventures that he had to run 
organized play and he he just sometimes he'd say like you know oh yeah i can't you know this stat block is just so difficult the way it's set up like those fourth edition stat blocks were often oh, very how it's hard. laid out and set out oh right. interesting and and so just he would just you know but he was very good at adapting and improvising but a lot of times he would say yeah this is really hard um or things like sidebars and you know just things like that that would really mess with the screen reader reader as to where it's supposed to come in and so oh. yeah well, that's cool yeah um and then last item on our news here is Arcadia issue 12 is coming out and we've got the preview of the table of contents. So your best friend is a monster, which continues the tradition of really good titles for Arcadia articles by Jessica Markham. You know, how sometimes your character, the characters make friends with a monster and instead of battling it to the death, they decide to save the creature. Or you know how sometimes you can turn into a half spider demon after say pissing off a certain eight legged goddess. Well, we've got you covered. <laughs> So these are rules for uncursing driders, harpies, and medusas, and turning them back into humanoids, plus rollable tables for generating quick and dirty curses. That's really fun. Um, and then Jonathan Connorself, who we know from Organized Play. Yep. Fae of the Shadowfell. This article gives you new dark fae creatures to add to your game. Very cool. Uh, make excellent villains and NPCs for your next adventure. Hags and Fremorians and unique creatures like the Boggy and the Lubberkin. Very cool. Carlos Cisco writes the stuff of nightmares. Run one of these two nightmare encounters and your characters won't take long rest for granted again. If they dare to stay at the Helm Street Inn, they'll find murderous glass ghosts stalk, stalks their dreams. When a hypnogog crosses their path, they have to act fast or become the first victims of an aberration that uses their energy to tear into our reality. Oof. And then famous author Robert J. Koontz joins their Arcadia team, old meets new, Dimensions of Dauda. <laughs> Bonus article presenting a magic item with adventure uh, inside for the first edition of the game. Dauda's lantern contains an entire secret dimension. Defeat the item's four challenges and its power is yours. A conversion guide for using this article with fifth edition rules is included. How cool is that? That is actually, I was just thinking, that's super cool. Yeah, really neat. Like to bring in for uh, and, and Rob Coons is, is is a storied member of the history of D and D. Goes back to the early early days of Gygax Absolutely. in his basement uh, putting things together, and he's been involved in all kinds of projects. So that's neat to to be a part of Arcadia like this and have a. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's written for basic or AD and D or what, but yeah, very cool. Yeah, and. The fact that they have a conversion guide, so those who have not played the older editions, mm -hmm. you know, you want your Thacko or you don't. <laughs> <laughs> You're out. <laughs> you can convert, the, we're good. No, the answer is you don't want your Thacko. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that was the news. Let's talk about you. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> so there was this awesome post that, that came out. It's a really neat article uh, on the Yawning Portal blog that introduces you. Uh, and you're super well-known to those of us in organized play circles as an just fantastic, top-notch author. You're a oh. lore master for things like Greyhawk and the Forgotten Realms. And you're known to be a very, very good project manager. So your being named was one of those things that everybody just went like, oh, yeah, of course. Yep. Mm -hmm. Tony, that's great. Great choice. Thanks so much. Um, <laughs> good, good, good. You should. Um, it's a, and this is a great article. It includes a really fun story about you and your sister at age 12. Do you want to talk about that one? Because it's great. Yeah. So when I was younger, um, my sister and I, uh, we were reading the Dragonlance books. And um, her and I decided that we would write TSR and tell them that these books were awesome and that they were great. And my sister is th three years younger than me. So she was nine at the time. And we did this letter and we just sent them this like little, you know, I'm sure a little kid letter. My mom popped it in the mail for us. And <laughs> God, I wish you had a copy of that letter. I wish, I wish I had some of the stuff too. <laughs> but um, like not too long afterwards, this, it was huge. It was a giant box of stuff showed up <laughs> addressed to the two of us. And inside was like, you know, I don't know if anybody remembers, but there were a million Dragonlance books. <laughs> yeah. So there were all these Dragonlance books and they were all signed by the wow. various authors. And then they had um, covers like 
like book the actual they were like you know the same size as the book like they would go on a book but they were just the cover and they were all signed by the various artists and stuff on some of them too so and they were like hey we got your letter we're happy that you're such a big fan here have some you know here's some cool stuff for you girls to have so wow and there were some other things in there there was a couple like there's a couple Greyhawk books and you know (laughs) some other stuff in there but I mean, you must have made such a connection with them with whatever you and your sister wrote in that letter that they were just like, oh, and they just give them everything. Right. Like and they all signed it. So you you can just imagine this letter being passed around. I think that's just great. That's wonderful. I thought it was and it made such an impression on me at such a young age that I was just like, this is so cool. And look at this company and I want to do this. (laughs) Wow. That's just amazing. Have you ever yeah. tried to talk to anybody who would have like signed those books to see if they remember this? I haven't. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I haven't. I, I'm sure somebody just walked around the office like, "Quick, sign this. Just go." I mean, you may <laughs> imagine but, the letter was really that, that great. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, they sent you a lot of stuff, and and that's those cover things that like that's and, and you say in this article that unfortunately, like they got like I think water damaged and. But those covers yeah. must have been a really kind of cool. If you still had those, boy, that'd be. Those were that retire. was awesome. I was really sad because they all. I went to college and I put them and couldn't take them in my dorm room, so mm-hmm. they got put into a, a you know a cardboard box and put in the garage, and mice ate them, mm. along with all my comic books and half my magic cards. You know, I'm envisioning a scene like at the end of <laughs> Raiders of the Lost Ark with like some of the rats being twisted and dying due to the box and others like eating it to save the rest of the mice or something like that. Like nice forbidden artifacts. Nice. Yeah. That would, that would make me feel slightly better. Not really. Cause <laughs> then there's mutant mice and I don't really think that's a good idea, but yeah, I just, to this day, just thinking about it on some level makes me want to throw up a little bit. Oh, just like, yeah. oh, gosh, but that's so great that you got to enjoy that. That's fantastic. And yeah. does your sister play? So she is interested and has always been interested, but she, and she has played, but she doesn't play with any regularity Mm -hmm. or I don't think she's played in a long time. She used to, when we were younger, she did, Mm -hmm. but not for probably a a very long time. Although, you know, she did um, tell me she, she bought a book (laughs) for the first time in many years. (laughs) Which one was it? Candle Keep? It was Candle Keep. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so anyone who doesn't know, Tony wrote uh, Xanthoria, which is in Candlekeep Mysteries. And, uh, you know, me knowing you, uh, I was like, oh, this isn't this was an anchor pick. Like, this was like, yeah, you got to have some really solid adventure in here that, you know, like, for sure it's going to deliver. And you wrote one for 16th level characters, which is not easy. Uh, And this is. (laughs) all fungal themed so yeah how did this come to be and what was the process like the experience of writing for Candlekeep and wizards uh it was pretty cool i was pretty excited um i they reached out and said hey you know we have a project and would you ever be interested in doing this and i was like (laughs) (laughs) everything else goes away i was like whatever yeah where i'm in so um and then they they were it was a pretty fun and interesting process and it was you know um pretty you know i and i, I you know it's you're always like i don't know is this how's this gonna work you know or you know i was a little nervous yeah okay, sure. a lot of nervous too i'm like what if it's uh-huh. terrible oh my god you know like <laughs> but uh the idea for that actually came after i watched a nature show <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> yeah i watched um a show about those um parasitic wasps yes or the awesome. the ones that like wear the wasp bodies the yep. parasites and then mm-hmm. and i was like that is so gross that is and i was like gross. that would be fantastic to put in an adventure yeah <laughs> and it kind yeah, of good. it bloomed from there a little bit i mean it writing always changes as you go and so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um but you know so i was just like I, a friend of mine told me i'm never allowed to watch nature shows again so <laughs> that's so gross and actually, oh, yeah, originally, the adventure was written as the 20th level adventure, and then they changed the, they changed how they wanted um, the level the caps to go. So okay. I had to dial it back. Apparently, yeah. I'm mean to, I don't know uh, what's going on. There. Yeah, but <laughs> so. I remember reading something about how you were like, like, they wanted to tone down what you'd done because it was so. It was, it was a little harsh. 
<laughs> I was like, you, I, you, I was doing something creepy. Yeah. That's what I like about you. Is usually it's like, oh, it's so hard to challenge characters. Uh, unless you're Tony, then we need to tone it down. Because <laughs> the characters make it to the end. Yeah, um, so. so how did how did you end up, uh, you know, we've got this vision of you at 12. We've got this vision of you at Candlekeep. What happened in between? What do you mean? That led you here. What's your that, path? How did I get here? Yeah, what was your path um, to, to becoming... Uh, AL admin, and we'll talk about the moonshades in a bit, but how did all this come to be? So I actually went to my first Gen Con when I was 10. <laughs> I, I wow. talked my mom into it. Like, I was like, there's this cool thing that I heard about, and it's like, you know, a couple hours drive, and uh-huh. and my cousin at the time, who lived across the street from me, and we're a week apart, <laughs> was like, yes, let's do this. So I talked to my mom, and that was such a cool experience that, you know, I kept doing that. And then, um, eventually, uh, with, with, uh, living Greyhawk, mm-hmm. I so good. start. Yes. I love, I loved it. It was fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I didn't ever, I tried to play living city and I had a couple bad experiences mm-hmm. and that kind of really turned me off to the whole living campaign at the time. Oh, uh, yeah. People were so, rude cause I was a oh, girl and oh, people geez. were, yeah, it was just a mess. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to play with those mm-hmm. kind of people. But um, I had some good friends who were like, this is a new uh, new thing. Uh, we should try it out. Um, you know, it's cool. I promise. You know, I'm <laughs> like, all right. If, you know, I'll, I'll give it a whirl. Yeah. <laughs> so I played it and I was like, okay, this is really cool. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. This is yeah. great. And uh, I, you know, even that first game, I, I made made some friends that I still are friends with to this day. Because uh-huh. that was that was a long time ago. Was that 2000? That was 2000. Yeah, yeah it was 2000. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my and God. Yeah, we're both very young, uh, you especially. Yes. But, uh, but still, yeah, 2000. And so do, do you, LG was my first, the Living Greyhound mm-hmm. campaign was my first uh, organized play campaign. And, and like you're kind of describing it, it blew my mind. And I was like, oh, wow, give me more. Um, do you, is, do you look back on LG as like your favorite organized play, play campaign? I, I do. I really liked, and, and I don't think that it necessarily could be replicated again. I really uh-huh. liked the regional aspect yeah. of it. That was my favorite. So for those that don't know, it was broken up. The, the world basically was broken up into corresponding, um, places from Greyhawk and each area in in real life could write and run adventures with that theme sort of like kind of like the moonshades and the bandit kingdoms kind of a thing mm-hmm. for yeah. adventures league now but yeah. um a little different and um but you couldn't play those adventures unless you were physically <laughs> in that region and so world, it yeah. actually fostered a lot of convention traveling i mean i was in yeah. college i was ready to go I was wasting my money all over the place. I'm like, let's go here. <laughs> let's go over here. I was also pretty lucky enough to be in the Midwest. Yeah. And, it, you know, while it would involve some driving, I could drive to a lot of different regions because yeah. they all broke up uh, kind of around there. So, yeah, it was, was really special. I, I wonder, you know, I asked the question whether it was your favorite in some ways because I, I do think there were special things about it. But I also tend to think that, like, whatever you started with, in organized play is often people's favorite. Yes. I think because it's just so new and we, and we don't become bad gamers. We're like criticizing the rules or whatever. The rules are just what they are. And we think they're all just chocolate and cherries or whatever other type of cake you like. And it's just like the best, everything's the best and nothing is the worst. And then we become old and disgruntled and we like complain about whatever the current rules are. But, but that first campaign is so special and it's just great. yeah well and it, it's pretty interesting because like the very first time i went i went and i was playing and i was playing at a convention and they had like this big interactive and stuff and they <laughs> uh they had everybody who had like a, everybody's familiar gets kidnapped and blah 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 and as an example they murder one of the familiars like wow. like just right out kill it jason <laughs> bowman did that <laughs> and i was like and i and it was mine. <laughs> like he had all of them. Like he had like a hundred in a hat because there was a uh-huh. lot of players, you know. 
and he drew it out and he was like oh who's this bitch? and i was like oh that's mad he's like Krr. you know and i was like and everybody's like i'm so sorry oh my god and like people were getting upset for me i'm like what are you talking about that was awesome <laughs> <laughs> that was so great and now was, vengeance has been sworn yeah, i was like this is fun and i'm gonna keep this is great yeah so i try to bring that experience to other people <laughs> so you're doing organized play in lg and where does this lead you to next so when I was doing organized play for LG, I actually um, also uh, what did I worked I lived in the High Folk region, mm -hmm. and I was their special mission um, coordinator. So they had things that awesome. people could write or um, could request special missions like unique adventures for their character. You could do one a year, and if they had if each region had enough time, they could do one. And so I was tasked with writing those uh once they were approved so i would write those and do those and those were pretty fun um, yeah because then... just to, examples that i've heard of things like um you know my character was lost to the undead um became a shadow uh we want to go retrieve them and bring yes. you know make them whole again or um i want to look into this particular npc and do something to help them and so it'd be things like that right yep uh, actually my character had to do a special mission just like that because uh <laughs> I took uh, as a as a mid to low level character. I took a prismatic spray in the face and got sent to the abyss. <laughs> so I was like, uh, "Can you guys come get my character?" <laughs> I want to go home. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. So that that stuff was cool. Um, and then, so, so this is how you started writing and yes. organizing. I mean, I I did home game stuff all the time uh -huh. sure, and, and sure. did a lot of that kind of thing. But this was a little more. A little more uh, formal, I guess. Mm -hmm. And then I was asked to be triad, which is the mm -hmm. thing for three separate times. But I, I said no, because at the time, uh, it was just not right. And I didn't, honestly, I didn't want to give up playing because I couldn't play yeah, if I was. true. <laughs> yeah, folks probably don't know that. But back then, if you played an event, if you ran a D an adventure, like DM'd it, you could no longer play it. Right. If you played it, you could never play it again. And if you're an admin, you couldn't play anything. Which was right. really sort of amazing. Uh, now you can be an author and run your own adventure and then play it. And then, you know, you can do anything now. But back then, those were very strict rules. And so it was quite painful. But also, yeah. you probably made a very smart time management choice not to become a triad member. But there, there was that, too. But, yeah. I mean, it, you know, I, I would have been tempted maybe if I could have played. But I was having too much fun. And I was mm -hmm. like, I don't want to give this up. So. Yeah. And then, so, um, yeah. yeah. So when... Greyhawk ended, I took kind of a break from living campaigns from 4th E. I, I was, mm -hmm. it was not my favorite system. And so yeah. I played mostly Pathfinder and some other things for and quite a you, long time. Did you get involved with their, uh, like contributing to their campaigns or anything like that? No, I did yeah. not. Okay. I Just did played not. society and had fun with it. Yeah, for a little while and then quit that too, because I started having some not good experiences again. Mm -hmm. So it was great. I was like, it's I'm not worth my time that. if it's, uh, if it's nope. crummy. No, it's not. <laughs> so I, I know enough people that I can play at home. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and then I played, uh, living Arcanus for a while, which oh, I, yeah, cool. that, that system is fun. So I mm -hmm. played, and that's what I played mostly in that, in that in-between time was the living Arcanus. Their stuff is pretty yeah. dark yes. uh, <laughs> and it's, it's a different flavor. So mm -hmm. it's pretty it's fun. Very lore rich. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Henry writes a lot of cool stuff too. <laughs> yes. And he just goes, so we always joke it's story time with Henry. <laughs> yeah. I, I once, um, I had played some Arcanist and then at a convention he was running and I just said, Hey, you know, I'm, uh, I've played a little bit on Arcanist, but I don't super know the lore. Can you just quickly give me a summary? That was the wrong thing to ask because <laughs> I think like the next hour was an explanation that was so itself full of references that I couldn't understand. It was, I just kind of, we all just looked at each other like, okay, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's his baby. So <laughs> it is his baby. It is but his it was baby. Super fun. Great table. Yeah. So I played, uh, yeah. So I played living Arcanus and then I started with adventurous league once it started up. Mm -hmm. and uh that was that was pretty fun you know did fifth edition and um, did all kinds of you know that kind of thing and then uh 
I was at a friend's wedding and they had put out an open call for uh, some writers and some other stuff. And they were like, you should really do this. And I'm like, ah, I don't <laughs> like, I don't know, you know, <laughs> I got a kid and you know, like, it's like yeah. I'm busy. So, but I decided to do it and they had uh, accepted. They picked me. So that was cool. And then I have kind of continued to do things. I, I decided that maybe I would kind of push to try to do that a little bit more uh, if I could find the time, uh-huh. uh, you know, do writing and, and that other kind of stuff, you know. So, and it, it's kind of just kept going. So, well, we're all very happy that it has. Um... One of the things you took on was the Moonshea Isles, which is a, a region of the Adventurers League play run by Baldman Games. And they're, like you mentioned before, they're two regions that are sort of allowed to exist and be run by somebody that's kind of adjacent to, to the AL organization. And Eric Mengi had been leading these efforts, and then you began to transition in and you know, share with us what that was like. So, Eric... Eric was lead and he had, um, uh, I'm trying to think like four, three, 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 three people, um, under him that were story, uh, you know, uh, trilogy leads. Mm-hmm. And so, cause it, it's a lot of work and they had a lot of adventures at that point and, um, to help him out. And, uh, if, two years ago, I think I was asked to kind of step in and, you know, be one of those trilogy leads. And so, um, you know, I did that. And that was a lot of, you know, organizing authors and writing up, you know, hey, this is here's our main story, write out the outline and figure out, you know, who's going to be the author, the editor, the art, you know, all that kind of sort of project management sort of things. And then, you know, I would go through I would be the editor like of your trilogy and you'd go through and, you know, if it was a new author, you'd help them to, mm-hmm. you know, try to, or at least I do. I would, yeah. I, they probably were like, <laughs> Oh my nice God, look at all these notes. Cause I'd be like, <laughs> Oh, you know, this is great, but you know, you switch tenses a whole bunch or this is really confusing where you put it. So maybe, you know, instead of just changing it and doing it for them, especially if they were a new person yeah, and trying to kind of do, get them to, get all that done so and then and then I would hand it off to Eric and he would go through it all again and sometimes you know (laughs) we need to still change things and whatever else but so and then Eric uh is uh leaving Mm -hmm. and so uh I was asked if I would basically take over Eric's position um though things are kind of changing because the relationship has changed a bit with um you know, AL and stuff, and and we're we're folded much more closely into the uh, adventures now. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that and that's a that job is one that I think unless you've done it or you've been very close to people who have done it, it it's hard to kind of imagine what it's like. But but to to start with, like you know, if you imagine sort of three you know three paragraphs that state what the three adventures in a trilogy are like. And then you give that out to writers and they've got to produce an outline that you oversee, or maybe you give them a quick outline and then they've got to flesh it out and then shepherding all that process. I mean, it's got its herd and cats aspect of the deadlines when you've (laughs) got to get the adventures into, to, to DMS, uh, to premiere at a convention, uh, but also prepare it for publishing, which is a thing these days. Yep. And to develop properly. And like you said, some of these people don't have skills. It's a fascinating job and a super hard job. I've, I've, I've done it. So I feel for you. It's it right. Takes I mean, a lot. It's, it, it does. It's, it's a lot yeah. of, uh, you know, somebody was wandering away here. And especially if you're <laughs> trying to work in either tie it to other stories or you're trying to work in lore and they don't know it necessarily or, you know, and I don't know, I think the hardest thing is when there are three or multiple adventures that are all tied to each other being written at the same time. And, you know, some authors are not very good about communication. So they're like, hey, I'm going to put this thing in here. And then you're like, oh, that would be really cool in all of them. But, you know, <laughs> if they don't mention it or. Yeah. 
So there's there's a lot of uh, crossing T's and dot nice kind of thing. So well, I appreciate the moonshades. I think the moonshades are, are a region, a storyline that has been particularly good at, at looking at how a trilogy will feel like a trilogy and feel related and connected. I think that's been done really well. So I'm, I'm appreciative of what you and Eric have done Eric with that work. Eric amazing. He's, he's, he's fantastic. He, although I think I was telling you before, he, he likes to just fiddle all the time. You yeah. can't, you know, it's never good enough, which is great. And you get a great project, but sometimes you gotta. It's hard to let, let go. go. It yeah, is. Yeah, and yeah. I get that. There's times where I'm like, <laughs> I've turned things in and been like, can I have that back? <laughs> like, I thought of something else that's way cooler. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any sort of tips for, for this job of, of, which is, I mean, and, and let me ask, is this the same kind of thing you're doing now in your new AL position? It is very, it's going to be very similar, okay. which, uh, which was, I think, part of why they decided to reach out mm-hmm. and talk to me about, you know, uh, the position. Um, yeah. But it, it's going to be pretty much the same, uh, you know, recruiting authors and uh, keeping timelines, although I will be keeping timelines with the other uh, AL admins. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, I was like, up. well, what, what's, what's going to be like, what am I going to get you? Like, how am I gonna, <laughs> how's this going to work? So, um, but I mean, so it's kind of interesting. I mean, I have a process that uh, for authors and things I, you know, I pay close attention to the DMs Guild uh, and, you know, reviews and things. And if there's somebody that I don't know, that you know might have a you know something that's popular or sounds interesting or you know whatever then i i will buy it and then take a look and read through it and then kind of see uh, is this something that you know we i might want to kind of continue and it depends on the type of project too that's so you know if it's you and i learned this lesson real quick <laughs> before like when i started uh with the moche stuff is you don't you do if you if they're not super experienced or they're newish you don't want to throw them into a high level adventure because mm-hmm. it's yeah. it's going to overwhelm them and it's not going to be any good so like yeah. you know i try to aim you know hey if if i've never used you before or you know you might be new i'm going to aim you towards you know an intro mod or a lower level mod to see mm-hmm. how how that works out, um, you know, and I have a, I have spreadsheets all over, like for the various <laughs> authors that I've contacted and, and things and like, Hey, this person doesn't meet deadlines or this person just disappeared or this person, you know, couldn't, you know, keep it not super X rated or whatever, you know what I yeah. mean? Cause there's all kinds of things, you know, this person was super awful to people who were transgender in their mod and you know you you just there's all kinds of weird things that you have to pay attention to and so i i have to have a list because otherwise it's i'm glad to hear that that's that's actually great i think feedback um you know obviously there's the horrible stuff which is its own category and i'm glad that that you're watching for that um but also just that that things like whether you miss deadlines whether you you know, your work needs revisions, things like that, that, that that's the kind of thing. It's, I think it's helpful for people to hear that. Yeah. Like your, your managers are going to be tracking that and, and that's how they decide who to turn to. And, and, and at the same time, what you're talking about, which is, you know, you want to bring in new people and it's that dual thing, right? You want to bring in new people, but then you also have your tried and true reliable people. How do you balance between just going with the sure thing versus trying someone new? I can be hard. I mean, I, I try to always try somebody new um like i said especially if it's you know a lower some there's some uh coming you know there'll be some new lower level intros in the dream of the red wizards and then you know and the mm-hmm. other stuff and so i've already been uh you know putting a list together of people i wanted to reach out to and you know kind of a thing and i have timelines for you know, here's when it needs to go to editing. Here's when it has to go to play testing. Here's when mm-hmm. it has to, you know, so that I can base timelines off of everybody else, you know, because it has to do those things, especially, you know, the Moonshade stuff is a little bit uh, different, mostly because, you know, we're not beholden to a publishing company kind of a thing. And yeah. so, you know, the, the you know, if, and we've had some issues. Yes, yeah, some of the the Moonshay stuff has taken a little bit longer to get up there than it should. <laughs> uh, but, um, 
you know, so we have to kind of for the for the AL stuff has to be it's it's a much you know more uh stricter kind of a timeline so yeah. i have to have all this and it's a big kind of a spreadsheet and and that's the reality of where the industry is gone i mean the industry used to operate on a whenever it's done it gets published and even gygax right was that way and, and everybody back then that's how it, it operated and organized play for sure was a, a sort of yeah the convention's coming but you know there are many stories of someone writing an adventure the day before the con or you know even while it's being run there I, I was at a convention and they, <laughs> they were writing it as everyone was playing it I'm not kidding oh yeah I've heard, I've heard yeah, that I was story not, I was in a region somewhere and I just uh-huh. was like and they kept coming around with a couple more pages yeah. Handing it to the judge. And I was like, wow. And, and we put up with that somewhat. Uh, it wasn't good even back then. But uh, but those those days are, are, are pretty far gone uh, in, in almost all cases and, and should be. And it's going to continue to go in that direction, which is going to bring more and more of a need for people like you who are good at managing, good at you know, maintaining the spreadsheets, all these kinds of things. Um, and as, as we wind down here, um, what would you say to folks? Because I, I think, you know, people uh, are always looking and I, I get this question a lot of, of how, what are the paths I can follow to write for wizards, to be involved in organized play, to, to you know, somehow start establishing myself in the industry. And, and what, what do you suggest to people when you're asked that question? You know, I would, this is the hardest thing. I would put yourself out there and do the stuff. I mean, <laughs> you know, put yourself, write your own little adventure if you want, put it on the DMs Guild. Uh, if you want to like help out at a convention, you know, judge. Sometimes that helps, uh, you know, hey, because sometimes you're like, hey, this person is a cool, a wonderful judge. And they're like, hey, I've written this thing. You know, sometimes that can bleed into maybe, if somebody takes a look at what you've written and said, oh, cool, that's really great. Maybe we can do this other thing. I mean, there's not really one sort of a path. It's kind of all over uh, depending. But the fact, like for me, it was taking that first step and being like, okay, I'm going to do this and I'm going to write this thing and I'm going to try to get this, um, you know, see if I can put in this sample and do this thing. Cause if you don't, it's, it's never going to just fall into your lap. Um, yeah. so, and like I said, for me, I look at the DM skills. I really do. So I'm like, Oh, what's I'm, one number one or what's like the first like 20 or whatever. Cause yeah, I'm, I'm really glad to hear that because that's something that wizards has often said like, Oh, you know, we, we get, we look at the DMs Guild for inspiration, and then you look at the list of people writing for something, and you're like, oh, a lot of those people didn't write on the DMs Guild. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that you're doing this uh, and, and pulling people from there. So yeah, what do you look for? Do you look for just what's selling well? It's a combination. I do sometimes look at what's selling well, what's popular. I look at what like people review sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, what I hear through the grapevine. Hey, this was a great adventure, you know whatever awesome. and then i'll take mm-hmm. a look at it and and see and be like oh you know what this is really good or i mean there's been times where i'm like i don't know about this <laughs> <laughs> sure yeah oh, apparently in my opinion is different you know <laughs> but yeah. it, you know it's just kind of uh, a thing otherwise i i how else would you you you'd keep coming back to the same people over mm-hmm. and over and over again you know yeah. and which is fine if they can they you know if they're awesome and doing it and i mean i've written bunches of different stuff too so Mm -hmm. but uh you know especially if you want to you want to bring new people you want to get that excitement and you know especially if you can catch somebody like you said when when you start everything's bright and shiny and new Uh and it's so exciting and it's cool and it's awesome and you know it's that you can get that translated and that is wonderful usually when you can get an adventure that conveys that excitement or that passion yeah, that's awesome. Oh man. Now, writing for Adventures League and, and, and managing for Adventures League, you you've got you know, there's always the aspect of the fans, right? And and we've both been organized play players and DMs where we're the fans. And and now you're in charge. And does that change <laughs> the way you look at, at, at the sort of fandom aspect of it? Do do you wish that AL fans 
did certain things differently, you know, sort of how do you feel once that position changes for you, the perspective? Oh, it's, I mean, it's new still, so I guess I'm not like bitter or anything. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't, I don't think it has changed. I, okay. I think that, you know, especially since a lot of what I'll be doing is mostly going to be behind the scenes kind of stuff. It's not going to be, you know, it's not going to be flashy. Like, you know, I'm not going to be in the community answering questions. And, Which is know. hard. That is a yeah. hard job. Oh, I know. I was like, I'm not touching that one for it with a 10 foot pole. I love everybody, but someone's yeah. going to make me break. <laughs> that is, <laughs> that's the way I would look at it. Yeah. Someone will break me and I, I'll be unhappy with the things I'll respond. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. just not Because fans be can be tough. Yeah. Fans yeah. can be very yeah. tough. Well, and the internet is hard and, you know, it's hard to necessarily convey always meaning or, you know what I mean? Like what you yeah. mean, it sounds different than in the written word and yeah. So I just was like, oh, no, I would never, yeah, yeah. ever do that. <laughs> so those are brave folks who are in the front Yes, lines. they're tougher than me. They're yeah. way tougher than me. So, yeah, I always but, think of uh, like Paige Laitman uh, with the Facebook group. I'm like, how did you do that for so many years? It's right? amazing. I'm just yeah. like, Oof, that would just stress Heroes. me out, I think. <laughs> <laughs> it would just stress me out too much. Be well, like, I'm I'm super glad that you are uh, playing this role, and I know a lot of us are who who've known your work. Um, this is fantastic. Thank you for being on the show. Anything else you want to show uh, share before we close? I don't know. This is pretty fun, actually. Cool. So anybody who knows me, I like talking. So <laughs> <laughs> me too. Um, well, I want to thank all of our listeners and all our patrons for their support. If you like the show, please consider supporting our Patreon at patreon.com slash MMP. Uh, Tony, when people are wanting to know more about you, where should they look? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Vorgrith, V-O-R-G-R-Y-T-H. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also um, find me on uh, Instagram with the same, uh, but it's not nearly as used. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. All right. So Twitter's um, otherwise, primary. you know, uh, I'm on Discord, uh, and you can find me there. And uh, you can just kind of message me if you have questions. I'm more than happy to answer. And you know, I promise I'm not mean, regardless of what Chaos <laughs> is saying. No, I mean, the cruelest, the most evil. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Handle of Vorgrith, that's a villain name. (laughs) That was was a character name from many, many years ago. (laughs) Who was not a nice person. (laughs) That's what AlphaStream was, was a Decker and a Shadowrun game. Um, All right, well, that's fantastic. Please do look up Tony, follow her insights on Twitter. Um, you can find me on the web at alphastream.org, on Twitter at alphastream, and our podcast at Mastering D&D is a great feed to follow so you don't miss any episodes. Mastering Dungeons is a misdirected Mark production. Hey, Tony, what are we going to do now? I know you want me to say go kill some monsters, but I'm probably going to go beat somebody could get their deadlines done. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go beat some go! deadlines. Just <laughs> knock them down. I don't really know. I'm just going to... You know, like I said in my, uh, my little uh, blurred thing, I'm going to send some evil fae their way. I don't know. <laughs> Go harass them. Annoy evil them fae. into finishing it. <laughs> Very moon chase. Thanks, Tony.